So if you're new with us, we've been going through the prison letters of Paul, and in a way thought it was appropriate to begin the year looking at Paul's prison letters, because to be very honest, in the context of our world, many of us have felt like, wow, on this lockdown, life is so different. Now, we're not on complete house arrest like Paul was, but man, there's often feelings like that, and we know our world has changed and it's been rough and so many things have been restricted and the question in those times is as you're getting squeezed what fruit is coming out of you and we look at the life of Paul as he is on a prison sentence and he writes four letters and now we're basically done with three of them and the themes in those letters are incredible real life testimony. We've got to see it as that. This is not a a superhero that has no real-life challenges. This is just a guy, just like you and me, that is following Jesus, and his life is getting transformed, and he is getting filled up with supernatural power. He's putting on a new self that he knows he has no ability to do on his own, but in Christ, it is an incredibly wonderful way to live point being, or, or case in point, his themes from prison are joy and gratitude. <laughs> it's what's naturally flowing out of him, because God is so good in his life. And right there, it's like, wow, what you see is the circumstances of his life do not dictate his world. Because even in the midst of crazy, hard, difficult circumstances, there's a power source in Christ, in walking with Jesus that is producing fruit that he knows and he even testifies he couldn't do this on his own. And so we've been looking at this very attractive testimony, very appealing, because it's like, I want to live like that too. I don't want to live on my own strength. I try that. It's pretty messy regularly. So what is this new life that's possible in Christ? And so we've walked through the book of Colossians, and in Colossians, Paul has specifically pointed us to worship Christ, to focus on Jesus as the source, our object of affection, that our soul is made to worship God. And we're all worshiping something. We're all trying to fulfill that God-given desire to be satisfied. We all place our affections, our hope, our source in something or many things. And that's what the Colossians are being faced with, a challenge that there, is, there are those in their midst who are trying to take their focus off of Christ and put it in other places. And that's kind of the classic battle of life, really. And so Paul speaks some beautiful language about the preeminence of Christ and how that in Christ are hidden all the treasures, and wisdom and knowledge, that Christ is the treasure that we're all hungering for, looking for, longing for. And when we find that treasure, like Jesus said, we will want to go and sell everything in order to buy that field where that treasure is. Jesus is the one who satisfies. And so he speaks this beautiful message, and then out of that Christ-centered life, he says that we get to, we have the privilege that we can put on a new self, a new self, We can put off the old self. So nothing of that old life, nothing of that carnal nature has to own us anymore. 
in Christ, we do not need to declare that, oh, this sin is just going to be my besetting sin for the rest of my life. Paul doesn't give any type of permission to do that. He says, you've died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So put on the new self. And in that new self, it's all these Christ-like characteristics that we couldn't do on our own. It's this life of power in Jesus. And it's so beautiful, so appealing. And then as we move towards the end, what we're going to see today is now he says the natural outflow of that or the natural result of having a Christ-centered life, being a follower of Jesus, making Christ preeminent, making him your treasure, and then through that by the Spirit, putting on this new self, living as in Christ's power, you become a powerful person, and that is going to flow outward to the world. It's got to flow out. That's like a fountain that's got to overflow. If you're getting filled up, if you're truly getting filled up, you've got to overflow. You will overflow. There's got to be outward movement. Otherwise, you become like a, a, like a stagnant pond that gets stinky. Got to flow out. And so that's where Paul really finishes the book. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. So walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So that's one of those little nuggets that happens at the end of Paul's letter. It's almost, you can almost overlook it, because as Paul gets into chapter 4, there's really not a whole lot to it. He starts thanking a bunch of people. It's a very, you know, it's a personal letter. He knows people there. A lot of the people there know his, you know, his crew. And so he's doing all these, like, say hi to this guy, say hi to that girl. Uh, hey, my people here are saying hi to you. Make sure you do that. So it's just very personal, like you would in a, you know, in a communication of a group of people that you know and they know you, and, and you're being nice about some of the real things going on in life. So for us, a lot of it is like, okay, well, you know, what Tychicus has to say here and, you know, what Nympha's doing over there, like, you know, how does that apply to my life? Sometimes it does, sometimes it's like, oh, cool, Paul knows people. <laughs> and then you skip it. But right before that, it's really kind of the end of the letter. I don't think coincidentally, the very last thing, very last instruction to the group is this. And so it's, I see a building of the whole letter, in a sense, is building to this. So what do we do with all of this great news about who Jesus is and the new self and the treasure of Christ? And in one kind of simple little couple verses, a sentence really, the message is, let it flow out. That's the natural flow of following Jesus is let it flow out. As Jesus himself said, freely you have received... So freely give. And as beloved children of God, we have freely received more good stuff than we should, we recognize that we could even wildly imagine. As Ephesians 1 is about to say, we'll look at it soon, that every single spiritual blessing in heaven is ours in Christ. Like, we have everything. Freely we've received it all. And Paul, Jesus' message is, and so now your life is about freely giving it away so that others can know the greatness of Jesus as well. So he gets into that with just this tiny little phrase, 
Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So there's, there's a lot in this, and I want to break it down and have some fun with it. So, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. That word walk is a word that we've seen multiple times in Colossians. It's a word about life. This is just saying, in your life. Kind of like that phrase where we say, you know, how's your walk with God? This word walk is a synonym for live. This is how you live. This is your lifestyle. As you go about life, we've seen it in a couple other places, like Colossians 2.6, where Paul says, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you've received him, so walk in him. And that was where we looked at the incredible truth that we already have all this stuff in Christ. It's already ours. We've already received it, and now we have the privilege to walk it out, to just continue to inherit and say, yes, Lord, to the blessings and promises and goodness and power that he has. But it's the same word. Walk it out. Live it out. This is your life now. This is the inheritance of a child of God. You get to walk it out. So it's the same word. So we could say it like this, that this last command of Paul, if you will, in the book of Colossians is quite simply a call to a lifestyle of mission. Everything that God has done in our life, we are not meant to just keep it to our own. Freely you've received, so freely give. This is a call to a lifestyle of mission that's based on relationship. It's based on relationship with people. Look, just like we looked at last week from the book of Philemon, God is going to give each and every one of us spheres of influence, relationships, divine appointments, you could call them, where God has placed us there strategically and he is expecting and hoping and desiring that we partner with him to share good news. So the question we're asking is, are we joining up with God? Are we partnering with God for the mission that he has for us? Are we doing that with wisdom? And that becomes more clear in, in the very next phrase where Paul says, making the best use of time. This is a fun one. If you were with us on Friday night, then that word time, if you remember, there's a couple words for time in the Greek. One is chronos, or like chronology, like time is ticking, like some fool stole an hour from us last night. I don't know who invented that, but that is a bad idea. It's all right. A, an hour of our chronos got robbed, right? That's chron chronological time. Now, it's funny. I'm like, my 14-year-old is seriously bitter about it. <laughs> We're like... Picked him up from basketball last night, and he's talking on the way home. He's like, seriously, though, why? 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 This, it's so wrong. Like, God created it one way. Why do people have to try to change it? Like, whoa, bud. Like, you can sleep in anyways. Like, what's the deal? Like, that's chronological time. But there's another one, kairos. And that word, as we looked at, is an appointed time. It's a moment that will change your life. It's a moment that is filled with God's power to bring change. That's why when Jesus shares the gospel, Mark summarizes the gospel in Mark 1, 14 and 15. says the gospel, Jesus came preaching the gospel, saying, the time has come, the kairos is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
So repent and believe the gospel. The good news is that the time is right now. That in Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection, there is a divinely appointed time. The kingdom of God is at hand. Receive it. It's not just chronological time anymore. It's that God is at work. His spirit has infused the world with these these moments, these opportunities to change your life with seeing the kingdom of God transform you. All the brokenness and pain and suffering, that doesn't have to be our norm. Why? Because Kairos moments are here. God is filling our lives with opportunities to receive him and be saved, healed, delivered, transformed. So that's a good thing. (laughs) And it's interesting. Paul says, make the best use of these Kairos moments. So now he's talking about us with wisdom. Now that we have experienced many Kairos moments in our life where Jesus has and is transforming us, Paul's saying now, in wisdom, get on mission with God and look for those Kairos moments that are happening around you. I mean, this is the closest thing the the Bible says to divine appointments. And we like that phrase. It's a great phrase. It's this. It's that we trust that as chronological time passes, that God wants to set us up and set other people up, those divine appointments where God's at work to do something to bless and heal and transform someone's life. And so we encourage, look for divine appointments. Expect that God wants to do divine appointments. It's right here. Make the best use of those kairos moments that God puts in your life on behalf of other people. So that's, that's really cool. <laughs> when we believe that our life will be filled with divine appointments, with kairos moments, that gives us confidence to get on mission with God. Right? Because it's like, I'm not doing this on my own strength. I'm not hoping that God cares about the world out there. What a stupid idea. Like, really? I mean, but that's how we feel, right? Like, oh, if I get on mission with God, is, is God... Is, is God with me? Is God going to do anything? Is God going to set up divine appointments? Is God going to make it happen? It's like, for God so loved the whole world, he sent his son to die. So if he's going to do that, I, I, I think he'll set up some divine appointments. He's already done the, the greatest thing that cost him the most ever. He's at work. He's on mission. In fact, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers that are few. So I take that as a confidence builder that God's like, hey, I got a divine appointment to you. Hey, hey, I got a divine appointment to you. And most of my day, I'm like, la, 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 Jesus. He's like, hey, unplug him. I'm trying to tell you I got a divine appointment for you. And that's real life. So the harvest is plentiful. We should have a confidence. I, I think about it like this. Anytime I'm ready, God's ready. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know, when you're feeling super spiritual, you can kind of beg God and kind of wake him up and kind of, you know, motivate him to get active. (laughs) Anytime I'm ready, God's ready. That's what, that's a confidence we can have. (laughs) So let me give you one example. So a couple weeks ago, went out with our brother Larry from church. He's, he's working this morning, got called into Lowe's. Lowe's loves him. It's like a little bit of a bummer because I was like, come on, Sundays, Lowe's, Lowe's, come on. But he's, he's such a light that they're like, you know, they want him. Anyways, so we went out with Larry. Larry and I said, hey, 
Let's take Jesus up on his offer that he's got divine appointments. He's got Kairos moments that he's just kind of like, hey, anybody out there? Anybody want to take me up on a Kairos moment? I've got some to give away. And so we're like, all right, let's, let's, let's do something that makes us really uncomfortable in these Kairos moments. Let's, let's do what you know, some people call like a treasure hunt. And this is where we get together and we pray. And we, we ask the Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, would you just give us some divinely led clues that we put together and it leads us to a divine appointment? And this is not certainly the, the only way to do divine appointments. In fact, I'll be honest, it's my least favorite. I'm terrified of it. <laughs> okay? Like, so this is not the only way to do it. I'm, I'm an extrovert, but this is scary. Like, still, for me, the, the, the prospect of, like, really being dependent, God, I want you to give us something. We're, we're asking you to just get, lead this whole thing. And so it's a risk. It, we're doing it because we want to grow in our faith, and you grow by taking risks. So it's not comfortable, and I'm not good at it. But we're, we're going for it. Anyways, so we're supposed to meet here. We're going to meet at the church parking lot and then go out. So we're going to pray together, listen for clues, hope, hope God does something, and then go out. And, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to pray ahead of time because that's cheating. So I'm going, to, I'm going to wait till I get in the car with Larry. And, but I couldn't help it. Like, I, 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 right before bed, I started thinking about it. And, and I saw this, I saw a person wearing all black clothes. I was like, oh, that, that kind of feels like a clue. It, it felt like that. It was not me making it up. And it was like, oh. But you hold it loosely because, like I said, this is like kind of way out there for us as far as like we're not com- comfortable and confident in this. So you hold stuff loosely. We're like, oh, hey, that was a strong impression, all black clothes. And then I went to bed. I woke up in the morning, kind of hoping Larry would text me that he got called into work and we didn't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> being honest. <laughs> I'll look for some other divine appointments that don't make my heart race so fast. But he didn't. <laughs> so we're like, all right. So yes, again, kind of like, I wonder, wonder what God's going to do. And I had another impression. I had uh, the Menifee Inn, which is right across the street and over there. But I, I didn't even know it was there, like up, 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 up until a few weeks ago. And there's a big sign on the freeway that says Menifee Inn. And so part of me was like, oh, well, maybe I thought about that because I'd been there or I saw it on the freeway a couple weeks back, but it was really a really strong impression. And, and, and then as I'm getting ready, I felt another one, which was Psalm 10, like out of the blue. And again, I'm being honest, this is, this is not my, you know, natural way of it coming like this. And, and I'm like, Psalm 10, I looked it up and I'll get there in a minute, but it was cool. So we get here and talk to Larry and. I was like, it's weird. I felt like I cheated, but I feel like I already got some stuff. And <laughs> so we talked, and you know, he shared some stuff, and I shared some stuff. And then so we wrote it down. But the primary thing that was really clear to test it out was, you know, like all black clothes, men if he in. So sure enough, we get in the car. We go right over the freeway. We go over there, and now we're just looking. The whole thing, this is about divine appointment. This is about... We're about, like, just trying, you know, we're taking risks. We're just kids. We're just kids, beloved children of God, in God's, you know, classroom, as my wife likes to say, of we're just learning. So it's okay to not get it all right. <laughs> but if you don't try to learn, you're not going to learn much. So we're, we're expecting to fail, in a way, like, which is okay. Like, because God honors that and grows you, and, and you learn through it. So we start driving, and we go over the freeway, turn left right over there on a can- in Canto. And uh, so we're like, okay. 
Menifeean, all black, all black uh, clothes here. So it was so fun, man. God's so gracious to, to us. So we literally ro- roll up and like directly under the Menifee Inn sign. So we're looking, we're looking and it, down this back alley, which on, these, on the other side of the Menifee Inn, there's like a wall. Down this back alley is this guy sitting by himself in all black clothes. And so we're like, oh my gosh, you know, it might work. Let's go buy a lottery ticket. No, just kidding. Just go. So we go down there and we, and we I has, Larry's written this down. And so we're like, we, so we walk up to this gentleman. And at that point, we have confidence that God has good news for this man. And so we just walk up to him and we said, hey, <laughs> no, this is a little awkward, but we are really confident that God wants to just do something really special in your life today or something like that. And we said, we prayed and we felt like God gave us two things, which was someone in all black clothes and the Menifee Inn. And see, Larry wrote it down and he showed it to him. He's like, no, you just wrote that while you were walking up to me. We promise, we're like, we have nothing to gain here. We're not asking for money. Like, we don't know you. We just, no, this is, we promise, this is legit. He's like, oh, well, I stayed at the Manifee Inn last night, too. I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> and, and, and so we just start rolling. And I'll, I'll get back to the specifics in a minute here. But it was one of those encouraging moments that just further convinces me that God is always ready. And he's really looking for us to say, God, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm willing to allow my life to be used by you to pour out for divine appointments, for those kairos moments. That this is that life of mission, relational mission, that Jesus calls us to. And it can look like a hundred different things. Like I said, this is honestly my least favorite. <laughs> you know, but it's about being available to say, God, I trust that you have kairos moments that you are the one who is on mission. Your harvest is plentiful. So I want to be your worker today. And it's just amazing how the more we do this, like, I just get convinced, like, <laughs> God's ready. God is ready. So he moves on and say, let your speech always be gracious. This is a really cool phrase. Let your speech always be gracious. I don't know how many of you uh, have been around church a long time, but there's in kind of church history and various denominations, there's a phrase here that I'm reminded of, and that's the a means of grace. And in older denominations, churches would talk about what are various means of grace. And what they mean by that is it's something that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to help connect people to God. And so such sacraments as baptism and taking communion and reading God's word and prayer were categorized officially and the Catholic Church had their list and the Lutheran denomination had their list and it was these things kind of tried and tested things of these are means of grace. These are ways that God has designed to connect people to God. These are ways that God has designed for people to encounter God. 
not just learn about God, but have divine encounters with God that transform their life. That is the exact sense of this phrase. Let your words be gracious. Let your words be full of grace. Let your words be a means of grace. And as you get into that, it's like, oh my gosh. So God's sending us out, saying, look for divine appointments. And he's saying, now, be aware. I intend that your words, what you say to them, will be conduits of connection to my heart. That people would encounter the good news of God through what you say. And it kind of raises this level of, of awareness of like, wow, I want to be careful. I want to slow down. I want to listen to God's heart. Because God's design is that as I'm going about life, on mission, looking for divine appointments, the very words that I say would be that connection point for people and God. They would carry good news of who God is that take people right where they're at, meet people right where they're at, and connect them to God. Where they're like, whoa, I'm encountering God right now. As I was thinking about it, there's this picture, you know, of uh, Back to the Future, number one, great movie. And there's, you know, the 1.21 gigawatts to touch that little DeLorean to make it go into, you know, warp speed or whatever, into time travel. And what do they do? Because they're stuck back in 1955 or whatever it is. They know that lightning is going to strike and they have to properly align that conduit so lightning can strike, go down the conduit, touch the car, and it can experience something it never has before. That is the picture of your words under the lordship of Jesus. That they are meant to be this conduit. That, that heaven is full of good news for God's treasures out there. And God is looking for conduits who would say, I want to be. I want my words to be a means of grace. I want that lightning to strike from heaven. Go through me and touch somebody to where by the time they're done, they're like, wow, God's real. That's, a, that's the picture. It's beautiful. So, God set us up on this little treasure hunt. He, he wanted to just to, you know, make me laugh at how awesome he is. And in the midst of my weakness of like, oh, gosh, I can't even do this. He's like, you're right. So let me do it. So Psalm 10. Psalm 10. Gave it to me beforehand. So I look it up. It's a, it's a tough psalm to read at the beginning because it's this person is feeling, God, you've abandoned me. It's like, hmm. Wow. Psalm 10.1, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? That's, my God, that doesn't feel like very good news for somebody. <laughs> At the end, 17 and 18, as the guy complains for 16 verses, then he finishes. O oh Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You hear you will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. So the whole thing starts and goes for a long time about you're far away, you don't hear me, I'm afflicted, and it finishes with you hear me and you will bring justice 
to the afflicted. So I'm like, ooh, <laughs> that'll preach, Lord. <laughs> That's a good one. So when we're out there with the man all in, dressed in black under the Menifee Inn sign, our third clue was Psalm 10. So as we're talking to him, and he's, he's open to us talking to him, we're feeling confident, though, because God's working. It's a divine appointment. It's a Kairos moment. So we say, hey, one other thing, that as we were praying, we, we felt like the Lord gave us Psalm 10. And, and can, can we just ask you, do, do you feel like God's abandoned you kind of far away and doesn't hear you? And immediately, you know, you see someone's face, you know, and he, he, and he just absolutely resonated. Yeah. I guess like, weird, but we really felt like God gave us this Bible verse ahead of time where he was telling us something about you, where you're at, but more importantly, he was telling us good news that he has for your life, which is at the end of the psalm, the, the, the person who starts by saying God's far away and doesn't care is not even listening. By the end of it, their, their, their testimony, their story is God hears me and, and he brings justice to the afflicted. I think that's God's heart for you today. Like you, you, you feel like God's abandoned you or he's far away or he doesn't hear you. God knew that. He told us the psalm, right? And, but so what's God's good news for you today is that he hears you. I mean, he sent us here. Is that, isn't that kind of crazy? Mind-blowing that you, you feel like God doesn't hear you and he sent these, you know, two little wackos walking up the street with a paper saying, you know, black clothes, men if he in, Psalm 10. Like, maybe he does hear you and he wants you to know that, like, he cares about your affliction and he wants to bring justice into your life. Can we, can we pray for you? I mean, it was like one of those, it's like, wow, like, you know, in some ways, it's like, God, could you make it any more clear? Could you make it any easier? Like, although it's still terrifying. Like, I hope next week when we're, you know, Larry calls into work. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. But it's like, wow. God is so good. He has these divine appointments. He wants our words to be filled with power so that they are literally a means of grace that connect people to some aspect of God's good news. It's like, wow, I want to be a part of that. And then lastly here, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so this is really where that wisdom piece comes in, where he starts with. And he says, walk in wisdom. And the wisdom is each person might need to hear something different about the good news of who God is so that we're, we're meant to move and learn how to move with precision and nuance. That our job isn't in every situation to try to tell someone everything about God. That that's not how you answer each person. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but Jesus models this tremendously. Read the Gospels. Does Jesus have a script? Does Jesus say the same thing? You can scarcely finding, find him saying the same thing twice. It's not a canned message. It's that, as we looked at Friday night, the good news, the gospel, is that the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? That all of heaven wants to transform all of earth. 
that every aspect of our life on earth and all the brokenness and the pain and the suffering that we, that we experience in this world, heaven wants to transform every single aspect of it. And that's what you see in Jesus. He's constantly preaching the good news. He's demonstrating the good news. He's sharing with people different aspects of the gospel, which is the kingdom of God is at hand, desiring to transform broken earth with the goodness of heaven. And so that looks and hears and sounds different to different people. As we looked at on Friday night, you know, to the, to the group of parents who are struggling, praying, believing that God even cares, Jesus wants to change their mind with good news about who God is and simply says, as much as you love your kids, God loves you way more than that. That's a different message to the man who comes up to him and says, I can't walk. Do you even care? Can you heal me? Are you willing, representative of God? And Jesus says, I'm willing. Be healed. That's a different message to the woman at the well who's there at noon because she's been excommunicated from her family and friends and community because of the immorality she's been living in, possibly or possibly because she couldn't bear children, five different husbands left her. And Jesus has a specific nuanced message to her about the good news, that even though she's a Samaritan and a woman, which are reasons enough, and let alone a barren woman or an immoral woman, I mean, she's got like three strikes against her, why a rabbi wouldn't even talk to her. He's risking looking like he's setting up a, a, an illicit rendezvous, even to the point where the disciples are, why are you talking to that woman? There's no reason a, a rabbi of righteousness would talk to that woman. So Jesus is risking all that stuff with the good news. I mean, Jesus even being there is the message of good news that God feels differently about you than everyone else and what you've been told about you. Those are lies. And I'm representing it by talking to you. That's the good news she needed to hear. Simply him being there, let alone all the things he actually said. And you can go, look at the Gospels, on and on and on. It's all good news. And so that's, that's the wisdom that Jesus models. Is that he wants us to learn, to grow, so that our speech, that is a conduit of God's grace, is seasoned with salt. So we may know how to answer each person. And, I, and, and we're kind of running out of time, so we'll, I'll just look at your lift notes. Some of these things we talk about a lot, but there's kind of four aspects of how do we learn to grow in wisdom. Let's go from the bottom up. Know the person, know the Word of God, listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to each person. So we've, we've kind of already talked about some of these things in just that story with the divine appointment where we got to practice listening to the Holy Spirit Knowing the word of God is huge so that we're speaking truth. Knowing the person, what's their history? You know, woman at the well. Jesus was smart to know so many things about her by just what's happening. She's walking up to the well at noon. That means so much culturally. And so he knows that and he works with that a bunch. That's part of the good news that he's bringing. So there's all that. We'll get into all that. I mean, we've talked about it before another time. But I want to focus on this one. How do we get the wisdom to know how to answer each person? It's, it's shockingly simple. Listen to each person. <laughs> how do we have the wisdom to know 
how to bring this conduit of grace to each person. One important way. It doesn't diminish the other ones. Listen to the Spirit, Word of God. No. Listen to the person. If we, if, as we grow and become good listeners, it becomes clear of what aspect of the good news are they hungry for. You hear it. What aspect of the good news are people hungry for? It's, it's really, in a sense, it, it becomes simple. That's where the Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Because as we honor people enough to like Jesus, not, you know, not, not just treat it like a canned message, but really hear their hearts, where are they hungry for good news? Where are they hungry for some aspect of the kingdom of God to transform their life? If we can get that, then we can be confident that if, if, if they're really asking and they're hungry, you're gonna, they're going to receive it well. When people are hungry and they hear good news, it's like, it's like parched, you know, it's like the living water on the parched ground. One of the most important things is to, is to, and it's hard. I'm an extrovert, so if I'm among people, I like to talk. So this is a, hear them. What, what are, where's their pain? What are they longing for? What are they hungry for? And trust that when you get a hold on that and, and other aspects too of, okay, God's word with it, Holy Spirit, I want to trust and be confident that this is going to be good news. And so we can share it confidently with good news, as good news, that's going to be living water. So I'll share one more example, and we'll be done. So we talked last week about opportunities, spheres of influence that God's going to give each one of us. And so building relationships is key and looking for those open doors that God brings, trusting they are divine appointments. So this week, it, it, the city council passed a motion that they wanted to do a coronavirus memorial garden. And they came to the, to the interfaith group and they said, we would like you guys to lead it and, and help us with it, partner with the city and the city councilwoman, Lisa Soba, asked me and said, would you, as the chair of the Menifee Interfaith, would you give a message and a prayer? And so it's like, of course I will. Like, what, what, a, what a privilege and an honor to be at a city-sanctioned event and get asked to preach and pray. <laughs> like, but I need to be careful. I need to be wise. Because depending on what I say and how I say it, I may never be asked to come back. No, I'm serious. There's a time and a place where, you know, maybe that's the message I want to give. But this is about being, trying to learn and grow. And so I'm sharing honest, honestly things in my life because it's, I'm telling you, like, it's scary working it out. We're all on a journey. So it's where you at in those opportunities God's given you. So it, it scares me. It's like, I want to walk in wisdom here. I want to give grace to the people that are hearing. I want to connect with the aspect of God's good news that's going to be a conduit of grace. So it's combining knowing the word, listening to the Spirit, and what are they asking for? What, what, and so I went back, watched the city council meeting. What, what's the question? What are people hungering for? 
And, and to me, what emerged was this sense of they, they're longing for compassion. They're wanting to do something that, that sends a message of compassion, that, that God cares about what, what's going on, and, and as people, we can care about each other. And, and so it was, it was like, there it is. Oh, what, what does the Bible say about this? Weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. It's pretty simple. When people are weeping and mourning, we're called to be there in that moment. Like Jesus, where it says everywhere he went, or many times the gospel good news that came through Jesus was when people were suffering, it says he was filled with compassion to then go into action. And so as I was praying about it, listening, thinking, it's like, this gave me a confidence that I can genuinely share and, and believe that this is, this is where people are hungry. This is where they are hurting. This is where the good news of God can meet them right where they're at. Is that God cares and God wants us to care about one another. And so it, it gives a confidence when you put all that together. Because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm standing up on this thing with the mayor sitting right next to me and city, the whole city council or many of the city council members are there, the city, the city manager, like, I, that's scary, okay? Like, that's scary. I'm not saying, like, oh, this is easy. No, that's scary. And I'm aware that if, like, I blow this, probably not going to get asked again. So it's like, what, what enables us to be in those moments? Listen to them. In, some, in, in a way, it's like, what's, what are they hungry for? Because once you get that, it's like, oh, man, my Jesus has good news for that. God has good news for that. And that can just grow a confidence. And, and so delivered that simple message, right? And just in a way, it just affirms that when people are hungry and we can connect with God's heart of his good news, it's going. We can be confident it's going to be received well. The city of Menifee, on, on their public Facebook page, put... Put, posted this afterwards with a bunch of pictures. Today, Menifee's Coronavirus Memorial and Peace Garden dedication was a reminder of what makes Menifee the community that it is. As shared by Pastor Casey Crawford, chair of the Menifee Interfaith and Community Service Council, the community nonprofit that led the memorial effort, it's the relationships that the citizens of Menifee have with one another that are going to hold the community together in both the best of times and the toughest of times. Hashtag support each other and I'm like <laughs> she just she just whoever this is I think it's a she but the city itself approved the message I mean she's quoting Jesus <laughs> like she's that's that was what I was trying to portray is that these messages of this message of Jesus calls us to live in compassionate relationships with one another to weep with those who weep to mourn with those who mourn and that's what's going to make this city great is that we, we can learn to be compassionate to one another in all settings, good times and bads, and, and it, we can support each other. And like, she ha they hashtagged it. It's like, so it's just kind of this beautiful, mind-blowing, like the city of Menifee is talking about pastors and Bible verses and messages and God and hashtagging biblical ideas. And, and that's really, <laughs> in our world, in the world, with how many places are getting rid of God so quickly, it's so encouraging. 
And there are some very, very strong believers in the leadership team, and that's, that's a big part of it. But it's also this sense of like, if we can grow, and I'm learning, and as I'm sharing this, I'm, I'm processing it. How do we do this? How do we be lights in the city? How do we be conduits of grace? And I'm just trying to be, give honest examples. A huge part of it, I think, that what makes it powerful is just trying to listen long enough to, to feel people's spirit to say, what are they hungry for that God has good news for? Because that's the stuff that, when it's shared, is living water. To where the city was like, hey, put this out. I mean, there's lots of events that go on in the city. But they, the response after that was, put this out. There was some, there was some good news that we heard that we want to share. So, so now the city is sharing good news good news of God. And so it's just there's, there's, there's good things, there's cool things that, that, that are happening there. So all that, all that to say, back to this incredible verse from Paul, live our life, live our life with trying to grow in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of these Kairos moments. Let our speech be conduits of grace, means of grace, seasoned with salt so we know how to answer each person. So let's just pray and, and uh, yeah, just trying to be real with you guys about the struggle, the journey, but the victory that God brings. I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song. I will dance a new dance. Like David